Welcome to Resilience Rock Sales, your front row seat to rocking your sales game. I'm your host, Stacey Kopas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Academy of Resilience Inner Circle. For more information, head to academyofresilience.com.au. Now on with the show. Welcome to Resilience Rock Sales, and today I am excited to have an amazing guest with us. I have got, all the way from the USA, I have Christopher Geertsitz, and um, Christopher's going to share with us a little bit about his experiences around sales and resilience. First of all, I'm excited that you're here to join us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stacey. I appreciate the opportunity. And I thought, I guess the great place to start is rather than read a bio and all that sort of stuff. I think hearing someone's story directly from them is far more interesting. So I would just love if you could kick us off with just give us a little bit about the Christopher story. Yes. So spent the last 15 years as a sales leader at Cardinal House. And the interesting story for me to get all the way to a vice president of sales, I originally started my career as a physics and chemistry instructor. So I had a Unique transition in my career to move into healthcare uh, and had a wonderful experience gaining a lot of industry knowledge and, and understanding sales processes and the, having the right mindset and living in a world of abundance in order to be successful. And always had that next year in my, in my career, which allowed me the opportunity to lead teams and people with progressive responsibilities in retail independent pharmacy, as well as healthcare and hospitals and uh, building relationships in order to provide clinically based and operationally based solutions through various providers in healthcare, specifically pharmacists that own businesses. So I got the opportunity to progress and and lead my career to about a $7.5 billion responsibility, owning sales development, sales process, account management, and growth and development of a team. That's a huge leap from chemistry and physics instructing to having a $7 billion responsibility. That's pretty crazy. Huge leap. Yeah, my goodness. And so what, what would have been your first memory of sales, whether it was career or just life in general, what's your earliest memory of having a sales earliest, experience? Earliest memory with sales experience, you know, it'd be mowing lawns. So when I was 10 years old, neighbors, they were looking for some help, be able to take care of their lawn during the summer. And I remember doing it in the first year for about $10. It took about two hours to do two or three hours to do. And I remember, uh, you know, over time getting a few more neighbors to be able to allow me to take care of their lawn that, you know, it was starting to take some more time and I wanted to, to prove my value or, or my value was more than what was originally set my price uh, in order to, uh, take care of their lawn. So I, I asked for a 50% increase, which was an extra $5 and they glad they, they honored it. And, and I it was, was more attentive to their lawn and 
wanted to provide more value. And, and then I did that for a few years at that price. And, and then eventually as I turned uh, at 16 years old, moved into a more normal job where I had a boss instead of just working for myself and all the months. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to in that, even just having the initiative to go out and do that initial, like to start with, but then to have that courage to then ask for that raise. And oh, yeah. was that, was that something that you thought about for a long time before you actually did it? I wouldn't say I thought about a lot. I would, I would say that after the first season, you know, it was, it, and I started to get more, some more folks and neighbors to join working with my parents. I mean, I was 10, 11 years old at the time. And, and you start thinking like, okay, how, how, how should I go about asking for five more dollars and just share your value? I show up on time. I do a good job. It's just not mowing the lawn. I'm sweeping the, the driveway or the sidewalk. I'm, I'm doing, I'm edging the lawn as well. So those little things start to add up. It's more than just cutting the grass. It's, it's cleaning up. It's walking the mower and edger over, uh, to their residence. And, and there's more value in than just cutting the lawn. And so from that, what are those early things that you learned and you picked up and you implemented there that you then took forward into into your career and how you progressed in sales? Yeah, I think it's, it's really like setting a vision, I think is extremely important. So, and, and I think in areas like to be recognized as a trustworthy, high performing unit is extremely important and inspiring people to build something that's bigger and brighter than what they thought was possible. And that's really working on uncovering what their challenges are and what opportunities they're looking to grow in and being able to bring in a bigger brain. So it's not just me, it's a team of people, a team of experts working cross collaboratively to be able to help them come together with ideas to be able to help solve some of their biggest challenges in their business. And in turn, that drives value outside of price or a commodity, commoditized business uh, or business practice or product that's just driven, driven, driven down, down, down from a price perspective, always focusing on how you can inspire them as a team and inspire uh, your, your client or future customer or current customer is always important because in the business that I've been in in healthcare for 15 years, the end user is a patient and we want to make sure that they can live the best they possibly can on a daily basis. Yeah. I just, I, I love that you've really tied it into vision there. Um, and I guess we've always got to have something that we're working towards or something that's pulling you into the future or, and then being having that, have that shared vision, isn't it? With the, with yeah. the client. You know, I think another piece to this, which I would say second really comes down to team goals and they've got to be short, memorable and measurable. I think it's really important because it'll allow them to get buy-in and really 
own what their expectations are. I mean, it could be, it, it, I mean, really simple, like increasing booking rates by 50% and minimizing by minimizing my lead time or something like that. I mean, very simple. It's quick, measurable, it's memorable. They can internalize it and that all can lead back to what your ultimate goals are and what your vision is set in order to build a brighter future or in my instance, improve clinical and operational outcomes for these healthcare providers. And what was your process? Like as a leader of a team, what was your process that you went through in order to create those team goals? Big number one, it's about the people. You got to have the right people sitting on the right seats on your bus. And, and those people need to be um, in line with your mission, vision, and goals. And, you know, everybody's going to come in with different experiences. And I believe it's, it's really important because it avoids groupthink. It brings in and stirs new ideas. I mean, that's number one. Along with that, those people have to have to have the right attitude and effort. In order to have the right attitude and effort, it's going to bring positivity. Winning breeds more winning. Momentum is huge in sales. Once things get rolling and people see how other people have been successful, it's it's like a disease that spreads amongst the team. I think it's really important that attitude and effort's there. Next is accountability in my mind. You got to hold people accountable to the metrics, being able to be a part of the solution. I've always been one that if you're going to bring an issue up, let's bring also a solution along with it so we can brainstorm ideas and how we can get better or solve problems that are in front of us. They got to be disciplined. So in order to have, a pro- they have to have a process. So number four would be disciplined. And if they follow a process, they understand how they do their role. The what or the results will follow that. It's just, I mean, you, use, you can use it in sports, an athletic event where someone's been really good or is at the peak performance. They've always gone back to the basics and what they do and being disciplined. Growth mindset, number five, you know, you got to be willing to grow and learn new things. And then lastly is execution. So those five points are extremely important. And if you're, un- if you're unable or don't have the resources or unwilling to be able to execute, everything else will fall, fall apart. Yeah, that sounds like it's definitely been a successful process for you over time as well. Absolutely. I think the hardest one overall is, is accountability is that was always very difficult for me and my, in sales, uh, in, and, and part of that is, is a lot of times data can be fuzzy data that you get to be able to make decisions sometimes isn't totally clear and you got to make some decisions based on instinct or what you've done in the past. So that can be a little bit challenging from, from my perspective. And so what does accountability like typically look like for you? Accountability. Number one is communication. You, know, you got to be able to communicate and be fair. So, um, understanding that 
here's the goal that's set. Let's say, for instance, in my previous role, we needed to have four new business wins, equating to $2 million each in annual revenue, one each quarter. There, you know, folks' pipelines within their CR in our customer relationship management tool had to reflect enough opportunities to be able to meet that goal. So we ended up using a cadence of discussion calls with the team and our managers in order to make sure those pipelines were fruitful enough to be able to bear those fruits. Um, and then a lot of it was based upon data analytics. Some sales consultants or individual contributors may have a close rate or velocity of 20%. Some may have 40%. So their pipelines had to reflect what their territories look like in order to maintain and meet those goals and then set a a level of proactive conversations on how they're performing, being able to praise them accordingly, um, develop them accordingly uh, to make sure that these uh, characteristics and what we needed to do in order to make our, our metric were followed up upon and held accountable to. That's great. That's great. I love that you mentioned the proactive conversations because I think in general, in, in leadership, there, there tends to be the scheduled conversations and those sort of things, but not really those proactive and more informal conversations that really get, get, give you the opportunity to get to know people better and get to know, I guess, what inspires and motivates them as well, isn't it? Because it's such an individual thing. Yep, it is. I mean, in each person comes from a different background, a different environment. I mean, on our team, we've had people that have had 35 years worth of industry experience and traits that are straight out of high school. No, it's sorry, college, my fault. Straight out of college, first real job outside of college that, uh, um, you know, and, and they've been very successful. I think a lot of their success rides on some of the person that had 35 years experience more in the relationship area because they built all those relationships and a new rookie or someone that's coming in, this is their first real career job out of college. They uh, have more of a growth mindset. They're inquisitive. They're curious. Those are really important um, attributes within the success of being in sales and they, it's like being a doctor, you know, doctor diagnosis when you go see the doctor, they're not telling you a lot of things. What do they, what do they do? They ask a lot of questions. You know, has your head hurt? Have you feel nauseous? You know, are you dizzy? You know, is it hot to, hot to the touch? And then once you, they start answering these questions, they're able to diagnose what the symptoms are and be able to prescribe you a solution through what they've diagnosed. And that's what sales is really about is having correct questioning and discovery discussions to uncover what their challenges are and what do we have in our tool chats to be able to help them solve those problems. And if we don't have that, what partners do we work with that we can bring in to differentiate ourselves, competition, 
to help us solve a problem that client may or may not have. That's awesome. And I, I, it reminds me of it's that saying, isn't it? Is it prescription without diagnosis is malpractice, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, there's just so many parallels there, isn't there, with sales? And I think that that's it's always, a, always a good mindset to have, isn't it? Yes. And, and you mentioned um, about success earlier. So from, from your perspective, what role do you feel that resilience has in sales success? Resilience is extremely important. It's, you're going to be told no a lot. And many a times you got to keep asking questions because you haven't uncovered the true problem. You're blinded by maybe trying to sell a product versus trying to uncover a problem. I think that's extremely important in sales. If you continue to focus on uncovering a problem, you're going to get to the great cause, which will help you overcome and be more resilient in closing that sale or providing value quicker than if you're just trying to focus on, Hey, I've got this product and this is what it can do. Here's A, B, C, and D. And these are the outcomes that people that use this product are going to have seen, but they may already be using something else or something similar and not even have that problem. So you got to really, 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 really drive down and understand the root cause so you can and be resilient in that. Because if not, you're going to have to overcome more no's than yeses in your career. And a lot of times that can be extremely challenging and defeating from a sales perspective. And, and what have you noticed between the sort of people that you've had in your teams? The, what, what are the sort of key differences that you saw in the ones that tended to be more resilient and the ones that didn't? I think the biggest thing is... They have to have, they have to have some armor on them for sure. And what I mean is, is they're, they're going to get, it's going to get pushed back or it's not going to go the way that they're going to want it to go. And it's okay to just not have the answer or just pack it up and sit and think about it and debrief, I think is extremely important. We were really big on a team selling approach. So. Many a times it was one-on-one, -on -one, but multiple times it's, you know, two or three people in an office with two or three decision makers. So you had an opportunity to really prepare and prep for what those objections are coming at you. And, and sometimes it's just, it's just not going to be there. So you're going to have to retract back and maybe instead of being further along in the sales process. So our sales process, we had five steps. We had business planning, solution discovery, solution discovery. Then we had um, pre presenting solutions, overcoming objections, and then close. So maybe you're overcoming objections, but the objections that you're trying to overcome really didn't fully understand them. And you have to step back two steps to go back to a solution discovery to be able to continue to to discover what really the root cause is. Just like a doctor diagnosis, he may go in once and you, he ain't asked you these questions and you answered them, but 
really the diagnosis was missed a little bit. They got part of it. You got to go back and get another prescription to be able to solve a, a second ailment, an ailment that was, wasn't uncovered. Yes, because the doctor didn't do enough diving into the diagnosis. Yeah. So I can see that potentially um, somebody that perhaps wasn't as resilient could misinterpret some of those taking that step oh. in order to come forward as a, whether it's a failure or it's a setback rather than it being just part of the process. Absolutely. I would say that's, that's 100% accurate for sure. You know, and, and back to that a little bit, you know, when I think about myself as being a great leader, you know, asking for help, I think is extremely important. I think the sooner that you're able to do that, the better you're going to be in sales because people are inherently want to help others. It makes them feel good. So you're not there on an island. So raise your hand early and often. I, I would use this a lot using the bigger brain. I mean, we have a team of whatever, 20 people. Someone's got an answer, an idea. So be open to that and see where it goes. I think that's a really critical piece. I would say hesitation. You have to watch out for that because lingering is losing a lot of the times. If you linger too much and many a times, if you've got 80% of the data to make the decision and you've got past experience and similar sales opportunities, you got to make decision and go. And then lastly, I think being nice is extremely important. Too many people are rough around the edges and too salesy. You just be yourself, be nice. People want to be inherently nice, you know? Anyone wants, wants an angry salesperson or an angry sales phone. Um, so I think that's extremely important. I really like that. And I like the hesitation that lingering is losing. That's a bumper sticker if ever I've seen one. <laughs> yes. So now that, that, that's super helpful. And I really appreciate you sharing a little bit more on that, on that one as well. And as far as say, for instance, you're getting in that, that mindset to call on a new prospect or something like that. Was there anything specific that you did just to get yourself in that, the right mindset and the right energy that anything intentional that you did as a, as a bit of oh, a absolutely. process or a ritual? I'd love to hear what your process or your yeah. ritual were. Homework, homework, homework. There's so much information about people and what the business has been and been about online. It's extremely important to understand what's gone on from the prior, prior history. Even if you've never stepped foot in this, let's say pharmacy, for instance, they may have been open for the last 30 years. And then two months ago, they celebrated their 30 year anniversary. And, you know, the pharmacy has been a pharmacist for 50 years. You have so much valuable information to be able to ask them to share their story. And I would say one of my things that strategies that I use to prepare in sales is when we're going in as a team or even myself from a discovery perspective, you ask why anything people love to talk about themselves. You can just use the word why X 
wine, Y, Y, Z, anything as simple as just a couple of examples for a, a, a potential client like this. Why did you open this pharmacy? Why did you go to pharmacy school? You know, why, why do you manage your inventory the same way you managed it for the last 30 years? And you just keep asking these questions and then you're able to take a very simple, simple topic. And instead of going a inch deep and a mile wide, you can go an inch wide and a mile deep and get a lot more out of the phone. Cause there's so many instances where sales folks just hit these little subjects and go through all these different problems, but they never understand the rate pause. And asking those type of questions as well, I, I can feel that that would bring in a, a bit more of an emotional connection to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. It shows that you're paying attention, that you really care. You know, you walk in and says, well, how, how is this? I've never talked to Chris first. It's ever my entire life. How does, how does he know that it's my 30 year anniversary and I've been a pharmacist for 50 years and you know, I'm building out this part of my pharmacy to bring in a nurse practitioner or whatever they're doing, you know, understanding all of that information is extremely critical because there's so many people that will walk in and like, oh, well, how is your current supplier doing? You know, <laughs> how's the weather been here lately? I mean, that brings zero value and you're not going to get very fast or very far in that opportunity at all. If, if you don't really, really come in and do some preparation beforehand. I think that's one of the biggest pieces in sales is preparation. If you wing it, then it's not going to go very far. Yeah. And I'm sure that you stand out too, because I think that, you know, if you've got a, a lot of people that have got their tick box approach to discovery, yeah. then you go in there and you're having conversations like that, then you're going to connect with them in, in a different way than others would. Yeah. And then from that, so, so resilience, I think is really important here. So once you get that opportunity, the quickest way to get in your next opportunity and be resilient is the person that you just sold a solution or, or sold a product to, or whatever it may be, they are your quickest point of contact to your next sale because they know somebody that probably has, or maybe have the same problem as he or she did. Who do you know? that you can introduce to you that may have a similar problem as you. And they may rattle off three, four, five names to be able to provide them a warm introduction that I can sit down and meet and understand what some of their challenges are. And then all of a sudden you're able to fast track maybe a, um, a sales cycle from six months down to three months. So then all of a sudden you're able to turn new opportunities a lot quicker and be more resilient through a referral. For sure, because a referral is a, is a huge shortcut, isn't it? It makes a big difference. And, and also too, I like that that is, is, is bringing in almost a different aspect to resilience as well, rather than it just being, you know, the emotional, the, the mental strength and the resilience, it's actually building resilience into your business, isn't it? As far as oh, yeah. having that stuff there as well, which I really like that you took it that way, that you took it that way as well, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. I it's, you got to forget a lot of things when things go wrong, you got to debrief, learn it, 
what went wrong, get feedback, and then package it out. Know that that's something that you got to work on and practice, but then don't dwell on it. Move on. Because if not, it will eat you up. And when I was young in my sales career, especially my first leadership opportunity as a sales manager, I hated to lose and it drove me crazy. But then after a while, I had to change my mindset and be more resilient and say, all right, competition took one for me. I'm going to go take two from them. That's all. You just have to change, change your mindset. It's just a shift in perspective can make all the difference, yeah. can't it? That's all. And, and as far as that goes, as far as resilience goes and looking at it intentionally, do you have anything that you have done on a regular basis yourself to build up that muscle intentionally or, and also in the people that you lead, is there anything that any processes or activities or things that you did to help build the resilience in the people that you led as well? I think being connected to your team is really important. There's so many leaders that are not connected to who who people are, I think is extremely important. Now, along with that is being vulnerable. You know, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room at all by any means, but bringing people together and really listening and understanding what challenge they're facing, whether they're one level below me, two levels, three levels below me, they've got the same amount of chromosomes I do. They're in person, I'm a person. I want to talk to them. I made it a habit, which was part of the culture that I built that once a week I would pick up the phone and call somebody for 15 minutes I haven't spoken to in a while, just to say, Hey, how are things going? What can I do to help you? And then just zipping, move on. They'd start spilling things on what's going on, challenges they have. And then after a while, you start accumulating this information and you can figure out all right, hey, I need some support from after leadership to fix the denied credits that are coming from our warehouse, example. Or we need some more support because we're, there's some gaps in our treaty for this new solution that just got rolled out to our pharmacies. And we need to bring some attention to that to our training team. I think that's really extremely important. And then they get to know a little bit about me because I would also do like skip level meetings. So instead of the team that reported to me, I would go another level down and we would bring them together and have like a poolside and fireside chat. Just to, Hey, what do y'all want to know? What's going on in the company? What's what I see? Tell me about what's going on in your world. And we would just start collaborating and bring and flourish and flush out ideas to help us become better together. And it was a, a sounding board and very simple, nothing too long or too extravagant or, or anything really enlightening, really. It would just bring things to the surface that wouldn't otherwise happen because it would be, oh, I don't want to say anything because I'm in this group. But in this instance, being more vulnerable over time, it Drop down the screen that was in front of them so they could have a voice. That's super powerful. And I love that you mentioned connection and support. There are a couple of the resilience rocks 
those foundational pieces and that you pick up the phone and have that that conversation and they're pieces that I, I like to speak about a lot too. Yeah. So it's nice to see, it's nice to see them in practice. So so there's you know, when you look at sales and like sales snakes, you've got ten percent that are high performers. Yeah. Eighty percent that are just they're gonna make goal or exceed it a little bit. And you got the other ten that are just not cutting it. So those ten you know work through be like, okay, is this an instance that the cyclical just happened because they had a bad year or is it perpetual or whatever it may be. And then if that's the case, you gotta rip that tree out and plant a new one. High performers on the other side, I mean, those are the ones that I would say are great people, love great challenges. So it's a good opportunity to give them experiences that maybe the others don't get, you know, putting them on special projects, they feel more valued and part of doing something more for the organization, not just the team that I lead, I think is extremely important. They're really good, really good insights. There's a lot that we can take from that. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That's super helpful. I've, I'm, I've really enjoyed all of the, the insights and, and the experiences and, and the wisdom that you've shared. And I like that you said it's coming from a, a, a different approach to, to most. And I think that, that there's so much to learn from that and particularly around that connection and the drilling down and, and really it's like, that's that show them, you know, them, isn't it? As far as yeah. when you to those, those situations and, and the connection support, you've, you've really touched on some of those, those key resilience rocks foundations that are there. The other element of, of rock that there is on the resilience rocks part, I actually have a playlist on Spotify called resilience rocks that has got okay. about 20 hours of music that is the stuff you can play when you need to just give that energy a bit of a boost and that type of thing. So I'm wondering if you would have a song that would be your kind of go-to song. If you were in a rut or you really wanted to get your energy up before an important call, what would be your go-to song? What and would be my go-to song? Add that to the well, playlist. This is, this is kind of funny. This is kind of a funny thing. It would be ACDC. A little black, black and black, or maybe Hell's Bells, one of those two, would be Thunderstruck. I mean, you put in any of those three, we'd be flying out of the car into the front door or speed dialing to the next client. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, if they are not already on the playlist, I will be adding those with the credit to you. So yeah, so three ACDC tracks to add to the Resilience Rocks playlist on Spotify. Um, there you go. Such a good conversation with you today, Christopher. Thank you, Stacey. I'm super grateful for all the insights you've shared. But if anybody would like to connect with you and have a deeper conversation with you about anything you've shared today, where would be the best place for people to do that? So best place would be my LinkedIn profile or Christopher Gersitz at gmail.com. Would love to connect. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to continuing the conversation over on LinkedIn. I do recommend connecting with Christopher on LinkedIn. He has some really thoughtful and really helpful posts on a regular basis. So I highly recommend connecting with Christopher.
Thank you, Stacey. Thanks for joining us again this week on Resilience Rock Sales. Don't just listen though, take action. The best sales professionals are always learning. Head over to resiliencerocks.com now to go backstage and get the resources mentioned today to help rock your sales goals. Mm -hmm.